Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I um, don't know what's going to happen. But I uh, was running. We had our race yesterday. Woo! I just need a high five. Whitney, she's over there. I'll high five. Yes! How many of you, last time I preached, I talked about running? And uh, sorry, Melissa, you're going to be my example today. <laughs> Touch. Uh, we were running, and it was, it was a tough run. We did it, though. Hallelujah. Okay, I was running behind Melissa because she's really fast. <laughs> and um, a few times as we were running, she was like, actually, a lot of the times, she was like, woo, like praising the Lord, we're running. And she's just like, you know, just like, you know, with her headphones in. It was awesome. And occasionally, like, so tired, and then she'll whip a hand up, and we feel better. It was amazing. But it, it got me thinking to when I first met Melissa, and um, I'd never seen her worship like extravagantly before. And I knew a little bit about her relationship with Jesus, but here I didn't know, you know, about her freedom or about anything about her life. I did know that she didn't walk in a, full, a lot of measures of a Holy Spirit kind of life. And uh, here we were running, and I'm behind her, and she's completely worshiping so freely. And I'm like, this is amazing. And it made me think about the life of God. And Melissa will tell you, too, when you ask her that she, uh, prior to kind of being a part of this community and getting to know the Holy Spirit, she didn't live so much a spiritual life in that way, where there was so much freedom where she was just running and worshiping while she was doing a race. But here she was, just unashamed, just going for it. And I was like, man, I wonder how many people live their Christian lives so bound without the freedom of the Holy Ghost. And here I am talking about Holy Spirit again because I can't stop talking about him. Like, every time I get up, I'm like, ooh, I just, uh, I just revert back to Holy Spirit because he's so amazing. And there's such a widespread um, unknowing about him. Can I say that? Okay, especially in this territory, you'll find a lot of people attend church, but there's not that life flowing with God where people are unashamedly uh, releasing their worship to him, whether they're running or on a Sunday, it doesn't matter. There's this freedom that they're living in. And I, you know, I grew up in a Christian family, and, and I, I didn't always have that in my life. But when I met the Holy Spirit, and I truly got baptized and started living my life through the Spirit, I had that life. I had that freedom. And it, it, was, it seeped into every area of my life. It wasn't just contained to a Sunday. And it got me thinking about our mandate as believers, as, as what we do he, for like what we do here at the dwelling place is we believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? We believe in, in the book of Acts right now, like you've heard me saying, but we believe in that life that is not contained. That relationship with God where you feel freedom in the mundane. Amen? Where you're running a race and we are so tired, man. It was a hard race. Like, I'm sore today. But, like, that didn't stop Melissa's praising because there's a freedom driving her on the inside. And us as a people, I believe that there's, again, like I said, like a widespread, there's a dulling of the Holy Spirit, especially in this county where it's like you, you come into places where it's like, well, Jesus and the cross is okay, but don't talk about Holy Spirit because we, we can't control that. We don't understand that. Or that was just for the book of Acts. And Acts actually incorrect. We're doing something different here, not because we're like the elitist of the elite and we're so great and no one else. No, we've, we've caught wind of the Spirit of God and we realize that the book of Acts was what we were supposed to stand on and greater things, Jesus said. Jesus did a lot of great things, right? He said greater things you're going to do, not just the same things, greater. 
And we saw all the disciples carry that through in the book of Acts, and we should still be seeing it today. And that's why I love uh, Brother David Hogan so much, because I see it all over his life. But I believe that as a people, we need to be... Uh, taking on the mandate of, you know what, it's not, a, it's not enough just for people to live this, like I said, mediocre, dry, cracker Christianity and not have the life of the breath of God breathed inside of them, where other, every day they're living in that free spirit with God. Free spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying, though? It's not enough for just just to be do our own thing, and this is us, and this is how we do Holy Spirit. And we need to be looking and watching, and 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 bringing Holy Spirit to be available to anyone we meet. Okay, you know God, but do you know Holy Spirit? He's a person. He's not a mist. He's not a dove. And it's part of our mandate as this community to unleash Him. There's so much religion, not a lot of power. That needs to change. Amen? And it's up to us to carry the mandate. It's like, oh, well, you're saved already. I'm just going to flick you to the side. I wonder if the prodigal son was seemingly saved too. But the father was still looking for him to come back. He wasn't just like, oh, well, he kind of knows God, so just see you later, prodigal son. It's like, no, the father was waiting just to welcome him back in. And sometimes in life, we can encounter other Christians who are living actually totally dry, dead lives and dismiss them as needing anything from God because, oh, they're already saved. See ya. But actually, there's, there, I believe that there are thousands of people, just even in this territory, that have a form of godliness but not a real relationship with God, and they're deceived in their mind. And they play Christianity. They show up. They tick the box. They have the performance, and they leave. But they're dying on the inside. I really believe that we're going to have a move of God where people, we're going to have a mental health healing move of God. Amen? I'm serious. That's like the taboo. You can't say, like, oh, the little God can heal, but he does, that's a mental health thing. Yeah, that's for God, too. I really believe that people are going to bring their mental health drugs up here and be healed, and there's going to be altars filled with pills. It's through the life of the Spirit. It's through the unction of the Holy Ghost, through the union of you and Holy Spirit doing life together. It's not enough just to know that, oh, the Holy Spirit fell in, in uh, like a dove in bodily form on Jesus. Oh, that was great in the Bible. No, you need Holy Spirit for every breath that you take. And we need to be the example in this Terry, carrying the knowledge of relationship with Holy Spirit, not glorifying him over Jesus, but understanding he's our partner in this life. I really believe that. Uh, we're going to go to Ephesians 2. I really believe that God is on assignment here in Orange County. He's on assignment. And we are pioneering something that actually has already been here, but it got lost somewhere. And the Lord is trying to dig up these ancient wells and make the water flow out of them again. Because in the spirit, there were like kind of wells that were dug, people who did amazing things with God in this territory. And then it kind of, as humanity takes over, it fades into something else. But those wells are still there. And what God did all those years ago here, he wants to do it, but even greater. Not just, oh, God, do it again. That's what's great. No, even greater than what it was. The idea is that it gets built and built upon what it was before to be an even greater thing. Does that make sense? And we can't be ashamed of the Holy Spirit even when people um, contend with us or maybe misunderstand. It's not our job to have religious debates, but it also is not our job to be ashamed. Amen? 
especially when it's so a part of our mandate here. How many of you have been touched by the life of the Holy Spirit? Do you know the presence that you feel? That's Holy Spirit ushering in the presence of God. That's, that's, that's what he's doing. Oh, well, I don't know. It's a mist. It's a thing. Let me, let me teach you. He's a person. And he wants in. He wants into every church, every home, every workplace. He wants in. It's not for just the hardcore Christian uh, leaders of the body. It's for everyone. The highest, tallest corporate building, every single person in there with their suit on needs Holy Ghost. Amen? We're, gonna, we're, we're just doing a reformation here. Amen? You either love it or hate it, but hopefully by the time you hear some more scripture, you'll love it. Amen? Touch. That's what we've encountered here a lot of because it's so Holy Spirit, you know, it's so in your face. People either love it or hate it. Some people hate it and they keep coming back and then they love it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Touch. <laughs> Most people. Hey. <laughs> um, I don't know what's happening again. Okay, Ephesians 2. Okay, but God, uh, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in, in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I love this because it says he's rich in mercy. He loved us with a great love. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were dead in sin, he still made us alive through Jesus. And that's the life that I'm talking about. That even though we were dead in our sins before we had a real relationship with him, he still, the agenda of his heart was to make us alive with him. And we need to live our Christianity through the lens of that life. We need to see our lives like our 10K races through the lens of that alive feeling of running with God, you know, like that life that surges inside of you that, you know, even doing the dishes is like your opportunity to be with Jesus. That's how I live my life. I don't know about the other moms in the room, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I just, I wish I could be like how I was single and like spend hours in my room with God all the time in the world. But now I'm driven by children. Touch. But I used to do the dishes and, like, quickly get the dishes done so I could, like, go and be with God because that would be when they went to bed. But now I'm like, oh, I decided that dishes are going to be, like, the time I pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, shut up, ba 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 And now I kind of look forward to the dishes. Because <laughs> I used to wonder, I'm like, how am I going to fit my time praying in the Spirit? Because, like, I have prayed in the Spirit in front of my kids, and Benjamin's like, Mommy, what are you saying? I'm like, touch. <laughs> like, I'm like, maybe I, I'm like, I just say, I'm just praying, honey. He's like, what are you praying? I'm like, give me some space. <laughs> but man, that creativity from heaven flows down. I'm like, ooh, dishes time. I can't read my word, but I can pray in the spirit. And it's now become this time where I feel alive. And I'm living through the lens of the alive, seated with Jesus moment while I'm doing my dishes. Because that's what happens when you live your Christianity with the Holy Ghost. Jesus made it very clear to the disciples, do not do anything until the Spirit comes. And they waited, and they waited, and he came. And that day, thousands got added. And in our Christianity, we need to live through the lens of the life and being made alive with God every single day, not leaving him out.
Why? Because your Christianity wasn't designed in this age without Holy Spirit. Amen? And so many Christians live their lives for themselves. So many Christians, and I love every Christian person touch. Okay, hallelujah. But I'm trying to help some of you because there's a life that you're living outside of right now, and you're wearing another lens and living your life through that instead of the lens of the being made alive with Jesus. We got to wake up this generation. We got to wake them up to what's available to them. We got to show them the, the life of the Holy Ghost that it's not scary. Let's keep going. John 10 10. Actually, let's go John 10 9. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and, and out and find pasture. The thief comes not to come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Okay, life more abundantly, what does that look like? You doing your nine to five and figuring out what would be a great vacation every year and, and hating some parts of your life. Is that the abundant life of God? Jesus says right here, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life, and it didn't stop right there, but to have it more abundantly. This was before he even died, and they had his blood, his name, his spirit, his resurrection, his authority. But there are times in our lives where it's like, again, we're not inviting the Holy Spirit to be there, and we're kind of, instead of, again, living in the lens of the life with God and the life more abundantly, we're living through the lens of our flesh, well, I'm just going to take control. I'm going to rule my life. And everything I do is really ruled by my fleshly desires. And then we turn around and ask why, why, God why we don't have life more abundantly. And he's like, it's because you're living it from yourself. It's because you're living it from your soul. This abundant life, actually, it hasn't gone anywhere. The promise is still available. But sometimes it takes a few tweakings in our life for us to actually sit under what that scripture was saying. And we need to wake up to the fact that every day of our lives, every dish that you wash can be a moment with God. Every drive to work, every for me, this is probably too much information, but I would work in an office, and I, again, would, it would be an open plan office, and I'd be like, I can't get out. Like, I, you know, but it would be like, oop, I just need a, 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 my bathroom break. I'd go in there, get in the stall, shakrama, sakrama, daraba, have a moment with God, and be like, okay, I'm good. Yep, that was great. But I saw, I, saw, I saw my life feeling mundane, being stuck working an office job. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to go to the bathroom. So I'm going to use that opportunity. Hallelujah. Come on, don't tell me you haven't done it. Shh. Invite him in. I came that you would have life. Receive it. There's probably nothing really wrong with you in your life. You're probably not that bad of a sinner. You just need to open the door for him to come in. Jesus is very clear. He stands at the door and knocks. And really, it's as simple as, oh, hi, yeah, come in. Every morning I wake up, come. Every time I do the dishes, come. Every time I go on a run, I'm praising because I'm living my life through the Spirit. Does this make sense? Okay, but if you're living your life through your flesh or the lens of your soul, really that's you deciding what you want with your life, not God deciding. If you do that, you will be disappointed. It's momentarily good, and then you get disappointed because nothing really satisfies. 
So you go to the next fix and the next thing and the next thrilling thing and the next thing here. And it's like you're going from thing to thing to thing. And that's how you're like surviving your life. Or really God's like there should be a stream of life going through you. So that when you do encounter bad times, that life is inside of you. Because the Bible is very clear. We're not going to avoid going through hard things in life. And often those are the times that he teaches you the most. Thanks, Lord. You're not going to avoid that because, you, oh, I've got the life of God, therefore everything's going to be sweet all the time. No, he's with you in the valley. He's going to walk you through the hard thing. He's standing with you, and that life will sustain you. Amen? Okay, but we, we need to, I just feel like I just wanted to wake you up that you have this life that's available to you. Invite him in. Let him in. Don't be the one who's in control of your own life. Let him be in control. And so many, of you, so many of you have heard this over and over and over, but we just don't do it. Yeah, I've heard you say have control. You sing Jesus have control. That's great. And you kind of somehow sometimes think you do it, but really you don't. And God has to repeat himself so that you understand that it's a real thing that you need to live in. Because Christianity doesn't work very well when it's man-led. Amen. That's when we get confused, we fall off cliffs, we get disheartened, and we go find other relationships or other things to satisfy us, and all of a sudden religion has no place in our lives anymore, except we kind of tick that box occasionally. Okay, I want to go to um, 2 Timothy. Are you receiving something? Okay, I read this on Tuesday at the cry out, but I'm going to read it again. Are you following me? I'm like, what time is it? I don't even know. It's because I, I screenshot the scripture on my phone at the time it was, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's only two. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's three, 326. Praise the Lord. Let's keep going. Second Timothy 3, are you with me? Okay, uh, verse 1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. How many of you think their men are lovers of themselves in this day and age? Lovers of money, are we seeing that too? Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, this is a lot, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of what's good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is the point I'm getting to, verse number five. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Whoa. The first part of the scripture says, in the last days, meaning the end of this age, that men will be lovers of themselves. It starts with that. And to me, like reading this, I've read it a lot of times, but when I read it recently, I'm like, this is probably the biggest sign that we're in the end of the age because I don't think any generation has loved themselves as much as the one we're in right now. Selfie. Get my good side. Or I'm going to show the world only what I want them to see. No other generation has looked at themselves so much. And before the mirror was created, I mean, people probably only saw themselves when they looked in water occasionally. And, and, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. The design of humankind was not to have your eyes outside of your head looking at yourself all the time. 
But we've come to this age where people are lovers of themselves, obsessed with themselves and their life and everything revolving around the image that they're portraying to the world. And right down here at the bottom it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And I believe this is addressing the age of the church that we're in right now because there's a lot of forms of godliness but no power of God. When Jesus walked the earth, power left him. Go look at the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She touched his garment, power left him. Jesus said you do greater things. That means there's greater power available for him to leave him and come into our lives right now. Amen? But right now we're living in a time where it's like there's forms of godliness. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's uh, preaching but no power, no, author no authority, no um, Holy Ghost anointing. And while it might profit people hearing the message, that is good. Hallelujah. But don't stop there. Don't stop it just like, oh, well, this is all I want, and I just want my dry cracker, and I'll never have the banquet of heaven. Why not? Because he paid such a high price for you to sit at that table and eat. And it's our mandate to ensure that whether saved or not, people are welcome to feast. Right now on this side of eternity. Oh, well, when I get to heaven, the, the, you know, the marriage supper of the lamb, it's going to be amazing. And when I wait there, no, right now. You can feast right now. Don't forget the scripture that says he makes a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Do you think you're just sitting there at the table twiddling your thumbs? I think there's a banquet at that table. And we need to be aware of this. Really, it's an agenda of hell to, to stop people from partaking of the fullness of what was completed in the process of the cross. Fullness. Not just staying at the beginning. That, that'd be like Isaac just staying at the, oh, I began to prosper, but I didn't continue, and I didn't become very prosperous. I just stayed right here. Well, I'm just going to stay right here in the beginning of Christianity, and that's kind of good for my life. Anything more will, like, take up too much room. No, you need to live in the fullness. And I, I think the reason why a lot of people fight giving more of their lives to God is because they don't realize how good it tastes to give your life over. There's an ignorance. There's an unknowing. And it looks hard, but they don't understand the taste of sitting at that table with Jesus and partaking of the life of the Holy Ghost. If they knew what that tastes like, they'd be like, oh, give me that all day long. I'll take the hard stuff. It's better than this dry cracker Christianity that I'm choking on. And there's so many people choking on dry cracker Christianity in this county. And it's up to us to be a hand to say, you're not going to go around trying to take people from churches. I'm just going to say that, all right? But if God has someone cross your path that's a prodigal that ran away, that's not belonging to anywhere, knew God kind of, but been thrown away by the church and the world, extend that life. The Holy Spirit wants in, and we're going to let him. The, the delivering us from our sins and letting us sit and be alive together with him, that's the agenda of heaven. And I don't know about you, but when, I, when I'm living somewhere and I, I'm like, I, my eyes are on what God's doing in this territory, not just my home. What, do, what is your agenda? My agenda is the life of the spirit, not a form of godliness without power, where people walk out with a little bit more knowledge, but they're not changed where they don't feel anything. You are designed to feel. God gave you senses. You're supposed to feel him. And there's no condemnation if you haven't, but I'm just telling you there's more. Oh, well, I tried, and it failed, and then these charismatic people condemned me because I didn't get tongues. and That's okay. Forgive them, but there's still more. That doesn't mean it's over. Amen? 
Because a lot of people have a bad experience of Holy Ghost stuff, and then they never go back to it. But actually, don't let that stop you. That's just an assignment to actually make you not have what you were supposed to have. Does that make sense? And we need to understand and take it upon ourselves to be the channel where people can receive that life and understand there's more, and it's okay. You can be healed and have more. Amen? Okay, and I think, too, I'm just going to say this. There is a contending for you to walk in the life of God. How many of you know you've been doing good in God, you get touched by God, and all of a sudden something just steals that thing away? You get sick, someone makes a comment, something happens, and it's like that life just gets seeped out of you, and you're like, oh, took me so long to get the touch of God, and then this thing comes over and just steal, kills, destroys. And there's, I'm, I'm here to tell you, there's a contending for that life. So when stuff comes and hits, don't be surprised. Understand that there's power in the life of the Holy Ghost and being alive with him, and the enemy doesn't like it, and he's out to steal it. He's out to s- just little dig here, little thing here, and all of a sudden, like, you were on cloud nine when you came back from Singapore, and all of a sudden now you're just like, <laughs> you were preaching to everyone, and now you're like, something got just sapped out of you. Contend for it. Don't roll over and say it's over. Oh, I'm just, it's too hard to try. No, it's not. Just pray in tongues. You can do this. And outside of that, get someone to pray for you. And outside of that, go on YouTube and go testimony of healing power of God, and you'll feel some life go into you. We have so many tools to help us maintain the life of God, obviously apart from the word, which is the most alive thing in the universe. I just want 50 people to pray for me, but I won't read my Bible. Read the Bible. Okay, and get prayer. Touch. I know I've said this so many times, but I just have to say it again. There have been times in my life when I've been so depressed and I couldn't figure out why. I was praying in tongues. I was getting prayer. I was accountable. I was doing everything that you should do. And then I listened to some pastor say how he was feeling depressed. And his dad just said to him, hey, uh, how much word are you in? And he was like, oh, but I was praying so much in the spirit. Uh, don't neglect the word. That's Jesus. You need that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I started paying attention to how I would feel after reading the word. And I would like actually physically feel better. My mind would be clearer. I would be like, I can take over the world, you know. And then I noticed a trend that when I'm not reading as much, I would sometimes feel like just off or dull or I couldn't explain. And my sword just needed a little bit more sharpening with that word. Does that help? Okay, life in the spirit, we know, live, a, live in the word. Get your life from the breathing, living word of God. Amen? Okay, let's go to Matthew 16. Is this all right? Okay, there's a contending for you to live in the spirit. It's not enough to live in form of godliness. And that religious spirit will want you to stay bound in forms of godliness without power. That's its agenda. Okay, because it, it, there's a huge deception in that you think you have enough God and it's all good. But actually, I believe that some people aren't even truly authentically in relationship with Jesus, even though they know about him. Okay, form of godliness. And I just want to say a few cents about the religious spirit. It's like, while you're walking in the life of God, that thing will try and contend to take it away. Okay, that's one of the forms of the way it can just like, just sap the life out of you. Some religious word or some nitpicking thing or some, you know, the most religious people in Jesus' age were the Pharisees and they were the ones who were the most blind to him being the son of God. The people who had the most knowledge, they were the most religious of religious and they couldn't see the coming of the son of man. Everything they studied for, they couldn't see. 
And there are times in life when you're walking with the spirit that that will, walking with the life of God, that that religious thing will have an agenda to steal the life of God and to choke whatever he's doing inside of you with a religious agenda. And we need to be aware of that because that is rampant in this territory too. There's a nitpicking. There's a, oh, well, where's that in scripture? Oh, I do know because I'm not just a chandelier swinging Pentecostal. Hallelujah. I know my word. Okay, but there's this examining. You know what the Pharisees did to Jesus? They're like, where's that in the word? Well, you did this wrong. And they were, the Bible says that they were laying in wait for Jesus to say something wrong. And that same religious spirit, while I'm just talking about the life, I may as well talk a little bit about that so you're aware of what is a stronghold in this territory that will try to contend with your life. Oh, that freedom of the Holy Spirit thing, that's way off the handle. Oh, women preaching, oh, that's not, that's not correct doctrine. Come and see me afterwards. I will show you how it is correct doctrine. But it's this religious evil thing. Oh, well, falling down, that means you have a demon. See, there's a religious agenda in this territory that's teaching the traditions of men instead of the authentic word of God. And traditions are being passed down and passed down, but no true solid word is being sliced in atmospheres. It's just man's traditions. Forms of godliness, no power. And as we're standing in the life of God, we got to be aware that that thing might try it on, but we don't have to succumb to it. Amen. We don't have to give in to religious debates why we believe in the Holy Ghost. But it's good for you to know where it is in Scripture. Touch. Okay? We don't need to... The reason why religion has such control, I believe, is because of man's weakness of wanting to remain in control of things. So that religious spirit goes hand in hand with that pitfall of, of wanting control. Because when religious things are in control, it, it, it dictates what's okay and what's not okay. Oh, the Holy Spirit can't move here, or this can't happen here, because it has to remain in control. And really, man does that because of fear. We're not going to be like that. God is in control. Amen. Hallelujah. Where are we up to? Matthew 16. I'm almost done. Is this helping somebody? I'm really here to stoke a flame in you that to live in the life of God, to live your life through the lens of the life of God. Amen. And the Holy Ghost. Touch. I just smashed over all these religious things right now. Hallelujah. Matthew 16 and verse... Uh, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, I think some people have, a, have struggles with living in the quote-unquote life of the Holy Spirit and the, you know, the wellspring of feeling alive with God while they're doing their dishes. Some people struggle in that area, because it's what I just said about the religious spirit, they're remaining in control. They haven't given their life away. Touch. Okay, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever, whoever loses his life for my sake will find what? Their life. The life of God. And I believe there's struggles in our lives because we are remaining in control of our own decision. Like, we're, there's no room for God to come in because we haven't lost our life unto him yet. And that's not just the person with the microphones, the most craziest worshipers thing. Oh, they're just, that's their calling to be so out there for God. No, that's everyone. That's the call for everyone. 
people in the highest of corporate uh, places in their jobs, they need Holy Ghost. They need to walk in and own their computers with the Holy Ghost. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, why is the Holy Ghost only allowed in spiritual environments? Your office is a spiritual environment. Your workplace is a spiritual environment. Amen? But it is, you know, you might have a struggle with living in the life of God because you haven't lost it unto him. And what does that mean? Do I have to die now? No, no, you give control over. So that when you start your day, it's what do you want, God? Should I go to this movie? Should I hang out with these friends? Should I go to church? Should I go to home? Show me, God. It's no longer I'm going to pick and choose how I want my Christianity to be. But I'm going to relinquish my right to decide everything for myself. That's what losing your life means. Losing your uh, dominion over your own life, I'm going to give it unto you. And it's a process that you grow in. Okay? I wish I could say you wake up one day and you're like, I hear God's voice about every tiny thing I should do. Hallelujah. I know exactly where I should be every single moment of the day. That doesn't always happen. But there are certain things in the word that are guidelines because he'll never tell you something that doesn't align with the word. Okay? Do not forsake the fellowshipping with other believers. Go to church. Hallelujah. Pray in the spirit and in, in your normal tongue. Uh, that's okay. Pray in the spirit. Okay. It's not like, oh, what should I do? I have no idea how to live my life. Okay. The word is there. But, you, but it's really the underlying current of if you want to do something, you have full control, Jesus. That's what losing your life is. And if you are struggling with living in the life of God, that might be a reason why you're not because you remain in control and he doesn't. And if you're confused of who's in control, you or God, look at the fruit of your life. Are the things you're doing in your life reflecting the word of God, reflecting a relationship of, of, of the Savior of the universe? If you're sleeping around, if you're doing things that look contrary to the word, then possibly you aren't uh, losing your life for him. I'll just leave that right there. Matthew 7, and I'm going to finish. No, I'm not going to finish with that one. There's one more scripture after that. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to what? Life. And there are few who find it. Okay, living this life with the Holy Spirit is hard. It's like the not popular way. It's the little narrow road that you can look like you're a weirdo. <laughs> you can look like, what are you doing with your life? I didn't, I didn't go, I was going to go to university and get this, I had a degree planned of what I was going to do. And last minute, I changed my mind because the Lord told me that's not what I have for you. And I looked like a complete idiot. <laughs> and I had to sit down from family members telling me, you are so brilliant, you are so smart, why don't you do this? You're going, like, why are you at that Holy Ghost crazy church? What are they teaching you? You know, like, how come you're not going to do what everyone else does, and I'm like, that can work, but didn't work for me. And I went down a different road, and I had to momentarily look stupid. But I, and, I, and when I was, I'm so thankful I did now, because the fruit of that decision is a lot better than a huge loan that I would have right now still, and a degree I never used. So sometimes, too, when you're following the narrow road of God, and you're entering through the narrow gate, it can look like it doesn't make sense, but keep going. Because in time, the fruit of that decision will bear something in the natural, and you'll go, thank God, I didn't do what was popular. 
Amen? Thank God I didn't just go with what my friends were doing. I actually asked God and did something. Took a, took a chance and did something that didn't look right. But it was aligned with the word. Okay? And I, I brought the scripture up too because I believe that a lot of people are trying to enter God through other gates. You're trying to enter, uh, the, you know, it says here, and narrows the gate and differs the way that leads to life. And I think a lot of people are trying to go through the gate of knowledge to get to the life of God. They're kind of trying to go through the gate of works or traditions of men. And there's all these other gates and avenues you're trying to go through to find the life of God. But there's only one way. And that's the narrow, humble road where you have relinquished your life unto him and you're going to find it in him. Amen? There are going to be decisions you have to make in God's favor that won't, that won't benefit the favor of your ex-boyfriend or your, the girl you want to date or the thing. There will be decisions that the Lord wants you to obey in that might cost you everything. But narrow is the way. You can't enter life through another gate. You have to go through the word of God and that narrow gate. We have to be those that are willing to sacrifice all to find the life, to find the life of God that's ahead of us. How many of you want that? I do. Okay, but we can't enter through any other gate. You have to enter through Jesus, through the word of God and the life of the spirit. That's the only way. And every other way, you're going to get disappointed. Amen? Okay, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to finish with that. Okay, because sometimes in life when you hear these messages of like, live through the life of God and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so amazing. Yeah, you're like, I can't relate at all because I don't feel like I'm in any life of God. I feel depressed. I feel anxiety. Or you know what? I am on that narrow road, and it's cost me everything, and I just can't. And so when you tell me to live this life of God, I, tr I struggle because I'm in, I'm in struggle mode right now. Well, let's read 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension, comparison. And as we look not unto the things that are seen, but to the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So you might be going through a season in your life, you're like, that life of God, I don't feel it. I, I'm, in a, I'm in affliction mode. Well, this scripture is for you, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. For this light, momentary affliction that you're in, for this hard season that you're in, for the struggle that you're in, for the, for the thing that you feel like is you can't get out of, it's working for you in your life an eternal weight of glory. Amen? Beyond all comparison. What you're going through right now, it's temporary compared to the life that we're going to have eternally in the spirit. So I want to encourage you all, all of you, it's not impossible to live a life full with li the life of God and the Holy Spirit. That is how you're supposed to live your Christianity. That is how you're supposed to brush your teeth, do your dishes, love your kids. It's through the life of God, and it's available to you every single day you breathe. Amen. And it's up to us to, to carry the mandate of, I am going to show the world the life of God inside of me. I'm going to multiply this life by sharing it. Amen? Does that help somebody today? Come on, let's stand up. I just want I just, I just to remind you that he made you alive together with him. He made you alive together with him.
He didn't, he didn't create you to uh, have a Christianity that you have to go elsewhere to feel alive. Okay, drugs, alcohol, movies, whatever, other things you go to to have your entertainment and satisfy you, you need to check that you're not using that first before the Holy Spirit. There's life and there's more life. He made you alive together with him when you were still sinning. How much more when you're with him and covered by the blood? Amen? Come on, some of you need to get out of the spirit of the world. I'm going to call you out. Some of you need to stop going to these things that are causing you to live a life that's not in line with the word. And you're playing around with stuff. You're playing around with partying and people who don't know him. But in your gut, you know that you could do better. And I'm not here to condemn anyone, but I'm here to call you out as a son or a daughter of God that there's a better way to live your life. You've just been eating that dry cracker Christianity. That's why you're looking for something else. But he's got a banquet for you. He's got a banquet for you. And if there's been a struggle, we're going to take care of that struggle today with Holy Ghost. Because the blood of Jesus is strong enough to penetrate every struggle, every affliction. And that scripture makes it very clear that even in the afflictions, God's creating something so amazing on the inside of you that's going to last forever. That's pretty exciting. I just want to open the altar up. And if you feel like you uh, need just breakthrough, just come on up. If you feel like there's been a hindrance of the life of God, come on up. If you know that you've been living in the world, come. If you know that you need to just make a change in your decision making and you need to just, no, I've been wearing a different lens. I've been wearing the lenses of my soulish life. I've been wearing the lenses of just knowledge and not the lenses of the made alive together with him. If that's you, I just want to invite you to come. And I know it's later, so if you need to go, I dismiss you. That's great. But I really want to just make the altar open for people right now. Just to get some of that uh, breath of the life of God inside of them again. That breath of the, can we do this over and over, that one? The life of God. That's it. Touch. You were not designed to live a mediocre Christian life where someone else is actually on the throne of your heart, not Jesus. And right now, if that's you, I just invite no condemnation. I'm not here to intimidate you, to point out your sin. I'm here to call you higher because there's something more important on your life than a form of godliness with no power. We are going to contend with this, the, the atmosphere over this territory that says, well, you can have a form of godliness, but you can't have power. No, in Jesus' name. The life of Jesus is too powerful to be contained. The Holy Ghost released in the earth is too powerful to be contained. And we're going to be those who are vessels that unleash him in the earth. Amen? We're going to contend for atmospheres where God is in control, not, not traditions of man being passed down with no life. Come. 
If you need to rededicate your life for Jesus, come. I'm not going to make you pray a sinner's prayer. I'm going to let you pray before God at the altar by yourself before him. Just give him your heart again. Give him your heart afresh. Let an outward sign happen right now that you're going to put him back in control of your life. Put him back in control of your decision making. Put him back in control of your Christianity. That when he tells you to go to 50 things during the week for church, you go. That when he tells you to join a church, you go and you join. When he tells you to be scared and ask someone if you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you do it. He died so that we could have life and life abundant. And that life is only, that abundant life is only in partnership with the Holy Ghost. Well, that's a strong statement. Yes, it's true because Jesus said don't do anything until the Spirit comes. Therefore, nothing should be done without the Spirit coming. Amen. Jesus, Jesus. So I just bless all of you in Jesus' name. Speak increase to the areas that are supposed to increase. Decrease to the ones that need to make room for the increase. I'm not increasing things that don't need to be increased, amen? <laughs> uh, we don't, I'm not speaking over that thing. I'm speaking over the thing that the Lord is putting his hand on. So I just bless you. I'll see you uh, for more of this on Tuesday. Amen. Love you. Love you all. God bless you.